Al, it's been a while. Has it? Been a while since I've had to get the old grab bag. Oh, snap. Put it over my shoulder like I'm Santa. Except there's like not a lot of stuff in it. It's just like a couple of games. So it's it it's like a huge bag, but there's like very little stuff in it. It's very light. So it doesn't really make the, like the same impression. But it has the, the giant words grab bag on it. Because you reach in the bag and you grab stuff out. Anyways, hi, hello, welcome. This is episode number 40, the big 4-0. If we were actually 40, it would be like, we'd be getting a lot of cards like, over the hill, huh? <laughs> the big 40. Oh, oh life's God. over, right? Oh, my God. This is episode number 40 of the Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Hello, I'm Jared, joined as always by the best podcast co-host in the entire world. That's Anladium. Thank you. Hello. And we're going to dive into the grab bag today. we got a couple of, actually more than a couple, we got like a quartet of games we're going to talk about today. Oh, snap. That's four. I think we'll go with four, maybe, maybe more. It depends on like how many I want to talk about. That's the, that's the, the, the case here. Nice. Uh, before we go into that, uh, there was something that I mentioned last week that I should have mentioned up front in the podcast. And I'm going to do so now because this is a place where probably more people are listening than at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you have not been paying attention to our social medias, we have a new podcast. It is called Jared and Al watch. And for right now, we are watching Sailor Moon Crystal every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. A new episode of that goes up. It is going to be short-form podcast where we talk about a single episode of the show, review it, talk about what happened, talk about how we feel about what happened, talk about what we think might happen later on in the show. And we're going to do that weekly until we run out of Sailor Moon Crystal to watch, which is going to happen sometime because I haven't finished making it. So yeah, that's a that's our supplemental podcast to this. So you'll find it the same feed that this is in, the Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA podcast feed, which you find on iTunes and Google Play. Also on the website as well will be under Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA. So that's the same place you will find this podcast. You'll find the Jared and Al Watch podcast. So if you're interested in hearing our opinions about each individual episode of Sailor Moon Crystal, you should probably check it out. It's pretty fun. And each episode is like 20 to 30 minutes long, so it's a lot shorter than these episodes are. <laughs> a lot shorter, yes. Uh, so the only way short-form podcast works for us. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking a bunch. I guess also we should we're, we wanted to say something about uh, what happened like last weekend in terms of the big gaming personality, quote-unquote... I don't like that 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 phrasing. It's it's real bad. But I also don't like saying the let's player. Yeah, I mean that's how I introduced him. Yeah. But meh. There's not good adjectives for this sort of stuff. There's not. Everyone, or I should say everyone. Literally the biggest like personality in terms of gaming, in terms of like YouTube subscriptions, all that stuff. PewDiePie found himself in hot water again last weekend when he said the N word on stream. Yep. Like, there's no sugarcoating this or, like, being around the bush or being like, PewDiePie finds himself in controversial state. Like, no, it's not. He, he said the N-word. Come right. on. It's you don't not, have to beat around no the bush about it. There's controversy on that. Yeah. Like, he literally threw out a racial slur in the middle of a, a live stream. 
And I know, like, there's there's obviously been people out there defending it, like, oh, he, he didn't mean to say it, obviously. He apologized, so everything's a-okay, right? If I go out and murder, like, 30 people... But it was the heat of the moment. But say it's the heat of the moment, and then I apologize afterwards, does that automatically mean I'm a-okay? I get off scot-free? No. If I go out and say, like, I go out to a bunch of people in the middle of the street and call them all sorts of racial slurs, homophobic slurs, transphobic slurs, any sort of hate words in general. If I go out and apologize afterwards, am I scot-free? No, because A, that's not freedom of speech. I'm going to get arrested for that. Well, I mean, I'm white, so probably not necessarily arrested. Let's be real. But basically, yeah, you're going to get in trouble for that. You're not going to be able to just apologize and get off scot-free for it. That's not how the world works. No. Well, and the thing that irritates me so much is that people are saying, well, this is just the gaming community. This is part of it. Like, people should be used to this by now. And I'm like, why should we ever have to get used to this? This is not what the gaming community should be. And it's part of why I don't associate myself with the term gamer ever. Exactly, yeah. Um, because it's so yeah. toxic. If you've been listening to this podcast for the last 40 episodes, you have noticed that we don't call ourselves gamers. We make fun of basically the entire thing of capital G gamers. And that's basically us like poking shade at that kind of culture because we don't associate with it. We think it's f- bullshit. It sucks. It's gross. And I mean, I've seen people and uh, I guess I should just blatantly say I wrote a post about this. Yeah. And I've gotten into arguments on the Internet about this because we should be doing better as people. It's it's strange to me that at some point we're like, oh, this is fine because this is the gaming community. Why is the gaming community not asking for better? Why are we not saying this is unacceptable and we should be doing something better with our time and our words? There are so many words in the languages that we speak. Why are we automatically, as a negative, going to racial derogatory slurs? Why are we going to sexist slurs? Why are we going to homophobic slurs? Why are we going to these slurs when there are so many other words that can describe your anger at somebody and your frustration at somebody? It doesn't make any sense. And we deserve better as people who play video games. Yeah, I completely agree. It's not okay. It's not ever going to be okay. When you've actually spoken to people who have been victimized by this kind of rhetoric, and, I mean, I understand that people are like, well, it's video gaming. Like, it doesn't hurt them personally. And it's like, yeah, okay, but it's the same dang language. People have been victimized. People have been hurt. This is you comparing something that you dislike or you think is negative to somebody's race, to their skin color. And that is not okay. It will never be okay. We are better than this. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, look. Let- I'll be honest with you, like, I grew up in a culture that basically normalized all that type of speech. And throughout, I grew up in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, but like I'm saying, like, in high school, like, I use homophobic slurs. I use transphobic slurs. I probably said the N-word a couple of times as well. Because I, honestly, I didn't know better. I should have known better. But at the time, like, in the certain group of friends that I was with, like, that was just normal. We didn't necessarily think that, oh, we are hurting people with these type of words. This is just words that we say, and we try to justify that by being like, oh, if I say, I'm going to bleep this out, obviously, but if I say the word f- 
I'm not necessarily demeaning a person of homosexuality. I'm just saying, oh, this is stupid, or you're being an idiot. And the same thing for, like, if I said someone was being retarded or something of that ilk. Like, that was the type of logic that I would justify that with. Obviously, like, now I've grown up, and I think that's a key for a lot of people. You have to grow up. You have to learn that those words have meaning, a lot of meaning in them. A lot of hateful meaning in them. And you have to learn that and basically re, re-educate yourself into thinking, hey, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say these words because they have so much meaning in them. They have so much hateful connotation with them. And you have to, you, you, you come up with different words. Like, if, I, if I'm mad at something, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to say out a lot of coarse words like, like, f*** this, this is bullshit. Or just some real dumb thing like this is real poopy pants <laughs> for something like that. But like I've reeducated myself. I learned empathy for other people, and I know now that like hey, those words I said in my past, they were very rude and mean and hate filled, and I'm ashamed of that. Like I should have known better. I mean, obviously, I'm a straight white dude. And I have, like, the most privilege out of anyone in the entire planet. So if I say those types of things, I'm going to be able to get away with it. Yeah. And the fact that that's that's still the case, like, just, it's sickening. And I feel like especially, like, I don't want to be, like, super preachy or be like, oh, I'm a straight white dude, so you should totally just listen to me and only me. You should, there. there's definitely a lot better voices out there who have been talking about this, like, voices that are of minority of of homosexuality and just all sorts of other voices that are better suited than I am to be speaking out on this. But as a straight white dude, if I'm not speaking out about this, I'm just as complicit as as them saying these words because I'm not saying anything against them. <laughs> gaming community, the gaming culture sucks. I mean, it's, it's toxic. It's no surprise that literally Gamergate grew into nazis being in the government and being all over in 2017 like there is a direct correlation between those two events it just sucks and i know like i i particularly i don't want to get like super political on this podcast because i know like a lot of people come to video games for escapism and all that sort of stuff but there are times where you just can't be silent about these sorts of sorts of things you have to speak out about them I agree. I mean, and and that's the thing is that I was legitimately afraid and I posted it on there. I was hesitant to write anything about it because I was afraid the kind of response that I get, which, you know, because we were talking about it before we recorded, I've been getting a lot of people who are just rude to me. Yeah. But I feel like it's important to say that I'm part of this and it's not okay. I'm not a part of the sense that I'm I'm not like the gaming community and da 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 da, but I play video games, and it's not going to get better unless people start saying this is not acceptable. Right. You can play games and not be a f-ing asshole. Right. You don't have to be that gross or horrible of a human to play games, especially online. And online, and you can say things when you're mad at people. That's fine. Say it. But don't use words that are used to hold power and hurt people. And don't come at us with, like, arguments like, but these other people say it. Like, hey, 
the black culture can have reappropriated the N-word for whatever they want. They have that right to do that. Just because you're white and you want to say the N-word doesn't give you the right to say the N-word. Like, I don't understand how that's so hard to understand. Because it's not that difficult. And, like, you know, just because a lot of people say things online doesn't mean that you should also go ahead and say those things online. Right. Online is still the real world. It's not a fantasy world where just because, oh, it's on the internet, so what I say doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. Well, and that's the thing that really irritates me is that how in the world are people thinking that internet is separated from the real world? Like, those are not two different realities. They're the same thing. You may have been able to get away with that in, like, 1995, but not 2017. I mean, it's just... It's baffling to me that anybody would defend this. And yet, here we are, where thousands and thousands of people are defending him. And, I mean, I, I saw... Um, was it Washington Post that I, I was quoting they're saying you know they just act like he's like a kid who needs a slap on the wrist and that you know he's just influenced by the toxic community and like he's a grown man and he's been in trouble for this before yeah he clearly never learned and he thinks that it's okay and it's not and it never will be okay right like i think if he hadn't gotten in trouble for before there is, I mean, obviously this is this is an excuse, and it's not valid reasoning, but he's obviously not American, so he, there's the potential of him just like knowing that word and not completely understanding the connotations and the meanings behind it. But at the same time, it's 2017. The idea that someone would not understand the meanings and connotations and hatefulness behind that word is completely and utterly baff baffling, and I feel like a person of his public stature is gonna know what that word means he's gonna understand or, the weight behind it like somebody would have eventually told him if there was somebody that he is friends with that thought this was unacceptable like hey right. man maybe you shouldn't say that because it's not cool like here's why you shouldn't say this word here's the connotations behind it like i know that you can't just say like well where are his friends or family or whatever like it's on him if you're going to pull this whole, like, well, the Internet's a different world, then, like, okay, maybe you should educate yourself using the Internet so that you can understand what you're doing is wrong. It's partially, like, I think, like, oh, you know, people who come up with these types of arguments, like, maybe they just aren't educated, like, in proper ways. But then, like, I also, let's be real, I know people in college who are using homophobic and transphobic slurs on, our, on the regular basis and thinking it's okay. But, like, I don't know. I mean, my brother plays Battlefield all the time, and he's at the point where he just mutes everything because he doesn't want to have to hear any of that. Yeah. And, I mean, like, that's really, really sad that we're, for one, still fighting this because, holy crap, guys, do better. And, two, that we're having to even, like, not play these games or mute these games so that we don't have to hear people say really offensive stuff like why why does anybody think that's fine and i mean like i get that i am white 
I know. Thank you. I don't need you to tell me. <laughs> I'm aware. I can look down and be like, oh, hey. I remember. But that also doesn't mean that I can't say that you shouldn't say these words. Right. Like, it's it's not that hard. And, you know, I, I don't care what kind of racial slur it is. If you're saying any kind of racial slur to any kind of minority, if you're saying a sexist slur, if you're saying a homophobic, transphobic, whatever, none of it is okay, and it never will be okay. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, guys. I mean, I've said it before, and I will say it again. Do better. We deserve better. We're not young kids who like are running rampant and just say whatever they want and like even then kids don't get away with that like be an adult even if you're playing a video game you should have a level of maturity and a level of understanding that you're like oh hey maybe it's not okay to say these things maybe it will hurt somebody who is not in the same position of power that I am I don't know maybe consider that Maybe you should look into, I don't know, empathy? Huh? <laughs> what is that? What is empathy? It's a very hard concept for a lot of people, presumably, I guess. <sighs> Remember when I said we were going to talk about this very briefly and then we talked about it for like 15 minutes? <laughs> well, so yeah, it I happens. wrote a piece on it. If yeah. you want to check it out on the website, um, it's anladium.com. Feel free. Um, it's very good. You should check it out. It's it's just at the point where I'm, I have zero tolerance for this anymore. I right. have none. Um, I'm tired of it, and I don't want to have to always tell people like, "Hey, it's not cool." So anyway, that's that's our two cents in the matter. Yes. If I had two cents, I would rub them together, but I don't have two cents. I got yeah, a nickel. mine's in a jar. I don't have any pennies. Anyways, let's, um... Can I talk about Anatome so that I calm down? <laughs> let's talk about the... Let's, go, let's dive into that grab bag. Let me go reach in here real quick. I, 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 I mean, to be a... fair, this this conversation was also part of the grab bag. Yeah, we could we could say that. Let me reach in here again. I should have a bag for this so I can make, like, a sound effect. <laughs> oh, man, look at this. I found some Otome! Yay! So, um, is this is this the only podcast that you can think of that would would have a politically charged opening <laughs> statement and then and then shift into talking about an Atome game? Yes, and I'm fine with it. It's amazing. Let's talk about Color Cross Malice, the latest um, Otome adventure. So I'm sure that they know from listening to me, I really, really love Atome games. Like, I have a problem. I will buy pretty much any of them. And so I think it was earlier this year that this got announced that it was being localized. I'm like, I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to pre-order it immediately. Right. And I did. (laughs) Um, So this game came out um, in 2016, August 2016 in Japan. And it came out in July here. And I had not had a chance to play it because of a job. And uh, I finally got around to it. And oh boy, am I glad that I did. Um, So the plot is that you're like a beat cop. You're like a... a, Not even like a real cop, honestly. Um, But you're in... um, 
Tokyo. I forget the actual locality of it, but it's one of the sub areas of Tokyo. And um, there's this terrorist group called Adonis. And they've started a X day countdown. And every time they do an X day countdown, somebody dies in like a really dramatic fashion. And so you, they start in like April and then it's December when the game starts. And the next month is supposed to be X day. So everybody's panicking, everybody's freaking out. And you get a message that you should go to this park and the main character goes and somebody knocks her unconscious and puts a collar on her with poison. And then you have five different dudes appear and like save you from the poison. And then like basically take you under their wing in this detective agency. And um, they're trying to solve the X-Day cases. That's the gist of it. Is on um, X-Day, is X going to give it to you? Oh my God. Um, so they're all former <laughs> cops. Um, actually, two of them are present cops, but the other ones are former cops. And so there's always like the suspicion of like, did one of you guys do this? Um, and honestly, I have not enjoyed. I have not enjoyed an Atome as much as this one, like since Code Realized. Like this is my favorite behind Code Realized at this point, which is amazing. I did not expect that when I first started playing it. It's wonderful. Legitimately amazing. Yeah, because I think for like the first maybe maybe couple of dudes, or at least like the first dude when you were getting into the story, like you didn't seem like as high on it mm -hmm. as by the time like you wrapped around and got to the end of it. Man, they hit you with some twists. Um so I started with Enemoto, who is um he, he wears an eye patch. Arr. Which is weird. Um, also, you find out that he wears it for aesthetic instead of actually needing an eye patch. Um, because he's obsessed with samurai and that kind of thing. Um, samurai pirates. He also carries around like a kabuki fan. He you is do. your um, your trope of being like overexcitable and uh, he's closet pervy like they mention in several routes that like on his bookcase he has poorly hidden like porno magazines um but he's like legitimately pretty sweet and you find out that um what's going on with him is that um his mentor and his friend was one of the cops who died in the first x day announcement and he was the one who found the body and so he has, like, a really personal attachment to it. And um, shenanigans ensue. This one, I didn't realize it until I got, like, the big twist at the end of who the main bad guy is. The very first route that I got was Inamoto. And it actually, when I think back on it, I'm like, wow, they gave me a huge hint as to who the big baddie was. And I didn't even realize it. <laughs> Um, like a huge hint because there's a character in his route that gets shot and goes into a coma and then the X day stuff stops. Huh. And, you know, I just thought like, oh, they realized they'd gone too far or something. But turns out that he was actually the one in charge. I'm like, <laughs> oh, whoa, that's why it stopped. He was in the coma. So, yeah, um, it's intense. Um, so there are always these pawns involved. 
um, with the the murders. I also suspected her brother for a bit, but her brother's actually pretty innocent. He's just <laughs> um, jeez. Sorry, he's a jerk. <laughs> And apparently all he wants is his sister's approval for him being in a band. Like, you don't have to be a jerk for that. Just, like, legitimately ask your sister, like, Hey, sister, would you mind coming to watch me in this concert that I'm performing? That'd be really cool. Here's a ticket. Hey, sis, bruh, like, could you, uh, can you, can I be in a band, bruh? And, no, instead he's just, like, a jerk to her. And he's like, I don't ever want to talk to you. You suck. Why are you trying to be a big sister now? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude. Dude, calm down. Like, I understand you're 18 and, like, you have feelings, but, like, just <laughs> calm yourself. So, Inamoto was, was a good route. Um, and it revealed a lot more than I realized when I first played it. And then I went to um, Sazazuka, who I, I, ca I call him Seaweed Head because that's what they call him. He has, like, really green hair and eats donuts all the time. So, I know the internet calls him Donut Coon a lot. I mean, just eating a bunch of donuts sounds like a pretty decent life. Right. Um, he's he's your baka person. He's always yelling baka. Baka. Um, I'm not going to say it right. Say it for me. Sundere. Sundere. There we go. Uh, he's your Sundere of the, of the group. He is a hacker. He's a genius. He wants the guns ban to be um, reinstated because he does not like guns. Um, that is his entire like driving force in this game is he doesn't like guns so he wants the gun ban to be put back up in japan i hope he has like a room where he just has a bunch of pictures surrounding him with like guns but it's just like the circle with the cross through them <laughs> or he has like a dartboard but there's like a picture of a gun in the middle of the dartboard he's like he gets mad he's like he guns oh my god he's he's the only one that like they blatantly tell you that you bone <laughs> Which is really disappointing because he was my least favorite. I really didn't like this guy. I thought he was trash, but like, you get some good story from him, but he's he's terrible. Welcome to the anti-gun bone zone. I know. Um, and then I got one of my favorites. It was uh, Okazaki. And he's the one who doesn't wear his coat right, remember? I mean, none of those people wear clothes right. Okay, no, they don't wear their clothes right. But he, he only wears his jacket on like one shoulder. Right. And he's the special police, and he was tasked with protecting all the other dudes. And by protecting, I mean spying on them. And um, he takes a personal interest in you, and he's adorable. Like, he, he's super, super cute. Uh, he, like, falls asleep on you randomly, and he has a face mask that he fell asleep in an alley at one point. And you walk up on him, and you're like, oh, hey, he's asleep in the alley. That's weird. <laughs> um, he no, has that's weird. He has a um, strange palate because he likes food that tastes strange. Like anything that tastes weird, he wants to eat it. Um, my favorite thing about Okazaki is when he's talking about how he used to have a Roomba. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes. <laughs> so he talks about how he had a Roomba and that he opened the door and the Roomba left and he's like, it still hasn't come home. And I'm like, oh, honey. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, it's out there somewhere vacuuming. I know. So Akazaki, Okazaki is like one of the cutest people in the entire world. And I was really, really worried about him because usually white hair anime boys are like, ooh. Or bad. Yeah, yeah. But he's actually one of the best routes. Um, and I did this, I, I looked online before I started playing it, like what's the recommended route 
like which route order. And so I found Inamoto, um, Takaru, uh, Okazaki, uh, Catboy, which, what's his name? Uh, Shirashi. And then, um, Yanagi is the final one, which you have to do Yanagi last because you can't unlock him until you do the other ones. You do them, you get it? Ha! Hey! It's a sex um, joke. Jared? Um, can, can I do spoilers? Should I do spoilers? Okay. If you are out there and you are wanting to play Crawler Across Malice, avert your ears for the next, like, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes or however long these spoilers take. Check back yep. in with us later. Um, so Catboy, he's, he's your mole. He's been working for the terrorist More like mole boy. Oh, man. He's been working for the terrorist <laughs> organization this whole time. He's the one who planted the letters. But he did not put the collar on you. <gasps> Um, he was adopted by the terrorist organization when he was quite young and given the number 14. And he's been brainwashed and then told that he has to go out into the world, into the police force, and become uh, a profiler. He's really good at it. And so the whole plot of his is like trying to overcome his brainwashing and fight the power and all that. Um, he ends up going to jail, which good, because he murdered a man. I was so appalled. I was texting Jared. I'm like, I'm pretty sure my boyfriend just murdered a man. Like, he stabbed <laughs> him in the heart. He stabbed this man in the heart. And, like, that's never happened to me in an Otome game before. Um, but, yeah, he, he has to go to jail because of that. So um, she's like, I'll wait for you. And I don't know how long murder cases get in Japan. Like, I mean, probably pretty long. Yeah. So how long is she going to wait for this dude? Life. Probably. Um, so he was my, my second least favorite cause he kind of sucks. Um, his cat accessories are cute, but he was mean. Stab a guy. Still not the least favorite. I know. That's the problem is that the donut boy is still my least favorite cause he was so mean and he calls you Poochie and like, why are you calling me Poochie? That's not nice. And then you get Yanagi and he's the best except for he smokes. So that's kind of sucky. Um, but he basically wraps up everything. He's he's your end game. He's the canon choice. Usually this is how it happens. Um, he's also the one that helps you figure out uh, who the big bad is. Um, but he's he's investigating all the cases where all the other ones have their individual cases that they investigate. And so you're kind of like going over an overview essentially. He is trying to distance and distance himself from you at first because he feels guilt. And at one point he's like, do you not remember me? And he's like, no, I don't remember you. And then you're like, wait, why, why would you remember him? What is going on? Turns out he saved you when he was 16 and the main character was nine. Um, she was kidnapped and was going to be sold into like sex slavery. And he saw it happen, so he followed the dude and almost beat him to death with a pipe. <laughs> right. To rescue her. Which, you know, good on him. But um, it kind of traumatized her as well. Slightly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So eventually he gets past that, like, survivor guilt because the one dude um, is still in a coma. And he's like, oh, man, I almost killed a guy. That's not cool. And uh, protagonist 
helps him get past his worries and then they fall in love and it's real, real cute. Um, and then you find out who the bad guy was this whole dang time. And I texted you and I was like, I know who it was. I, I have an idea. And I was right. Cause it's always the goofy best friend. When they give you a like cute dude in an Otome game and you can't date him, he's usually the bad guy. What about Period Cube? Because um, that had like dudes you liked, but you couldn't date him. Yeah, he was awesome though. Like that dude was beautiful. But that I game liked... also had incest, so. Yeah, that game was just weird. Although still like one of the better ones I played. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was your goofy best friend, and he's the one that's in charge, and he's a complete nutter butthead. Um, and I talked about the, the pawns, and that's probably one of the parts of this game that shines really, really bright, is that each route has a different group of people who are committing these X-Day murders, and you find out their backstory, and they are fascinating, and also they're extremely, like, you're sympathetic towards them, you understand, like, oh, I, I get why you did this, but why you did, what you did is wrong. Um, also that weird bunny girl, she was the only one that I didn't really feel any sympathy for, but she was weird. But like one of them, she was killing people because she was being stalked and then threatened to like be murdered by her stalker. Okay. I get that. Um, the twins, there are two twins that, um, their mother was bullied by these dudes in high school like their mother was a guidance counselor at the high school and one of the dudes wanted to date her but she's like no man I'm married um so then they started bullying her and then like calling in fake calls to the high school to try to get her fired and that kind of thing and their mom ended up killing herself and her husband and tried to kill the twins but failed and um so the twins are trying to, like, get revenge for their mother. Okay. Like, they all have really, really good stories. And that's one thing that's fascinating is that these characters have, like, really, really intense backstories. And you're like, okay, all right. What you did was wrong, but you're you're not completely wrong. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, Yanagi and Okazaki are best boys. Otome. Otome. This was really good, though, and it actually has, like, an investigation mode, so think of, like, uh, an Ace Attorney type thing where you're having to, like, look around the room. Mm -hmm. And it has a trigger mode where um, in each route you have to, to shoot something and you have to get the timing right to shoot it or else you get a bad ending. And so, like, it had gameplay elements beyond just the visual novels, which was pretty cool, in my opinion. Yeah. Because you don't really get uh, to see that a lot in the in visual novels, just in general. You don't. And I got engaged at the end of it. That was pretty cool. And I got the platinum trophy, which was hard. <laughs> you were struggling with that for like the the night you were trying to get that, because you had like what was like one bad ending that you didn't have, but like you just could not get it to register. And I ended up finding out, I went and found a list of all the bad endings on Tumblr, and I ran through every single one of them in the game until I found the one that I was missing. 
It took hours. Remember when you didn't get the platinum trophy and root letter because you didn't want to go through those game through the the routes again? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember. And here you are. This is when I have cute boys. <laughs> I mean, like cute anime boys are life. Come on. Oh, root letter on sale for this week. Go buy it. That has nothing to do with uh, color cross mouse. I'm advertising here. Okay. For things we are not being paid for. If you like Atome games, you should play this one because it's rad and it's awesome and it's really fun. And actually, like the main character, she stands up for herself a lot, which is good. Um, she's pretty bad because, I mean, she's like shooting stuff and fighting. And I mean, you usually don't get that in Atome. So I was, I was proud of her. Right. Although she does really fall into the eh trope of um, and they do still kind of keep up with like traditional women roles of like, oh, she's a good cook and she can clean and da 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 da. So yes, my review is A plus. You should play. And I don't know, maybe if like you are interested in the genre, but you're like, I don't know if I want to, you know, fork out some money to to play one of these games quite yet. Uh, watch the Code Realize anime coming October seventh. I am so freaking stoked for that. Like, I am jazzed out of my mind for that anime. Although I'm sad that Best Boy on that one is not going to get his, his time to shine. What, Herlock Sholmes? No, he will get his time to shine. Um, Victor Frankenstein. Because they're going with a canon choice of uh, of Arsene Lupin. So, so they're not going to go, like, route by route. It's just going to be like, here's the entire story, but the canon route. I mean, honestly, that's what it seems like based on the the trailers. Um, as someone who's played the game, like I recognize certain scenes from his route. Right. So it it, it seems that that they're just gonna do like an overview of the story of the game following his route. Right. Which I mean, it makes sense because it's kind of the same thing as Yanagi's in in this, and that it kind of clears up any kind of issue that you have. Right. 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 So. All right. Well, that's your Otome minute for for the last couple months. I will come back when I have more Otome for you. We'll check back um, in in I, a few months. What is it? Like Bad Apple something is the next one that's coming out? Yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's got Bad Apple in it. Because you're a bad apple in it. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. Literally, I don't even pay attention to what the stories are. I just see that like a new Atome game is coming out, and I pre-order it on Amazon immediately. It's true. Also, I'm like on I the got- lookout for you for new Atome games as well. Okay. So you're such a good pal. You're like, oh, she likes Atome. You want to see this link? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Thank <laughs> you. Speaking of games you've played, okay, that's not an Atome game though. Oh darn. Let's talk about a game that you got into while you were on vacation. Yes. And also a game that is not necess- not necessarily your style of game. It is not. Let's talk about Hyper Light Drifter. So, I had not really heard about this game. And my brother, when I was on vacation, was like, hey, I want you to try this game out. I was like, yeah, okay. And so, for one, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's very, very pleasing to look at. Two, it has beautiful sound design. Yes. And then, 
Three, it's hard. <laughs> that too. Um, I usually don't like games that are hard for the sake of being hard. Rarely do I like them. Right. But there's a reason why I like this one. And I guess we should talk a little bit about it because it's kind of like a Link to the Past Diablo hybrid is what the creator said, correct? Yeah, like it's it's a it's another 2D game, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the 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 camera's kind of out back kind of like looks like Diablo. It's not like you're going to point and click everywhere, but it, but it has like that style of like camera, but a lot of like it, a lot of the game is exploration, so it is like a lot of the early Legend of Zelda games. Mhm. And that was what I really like cuz I love games with exploration. I don't I don't I don't know why that gets me so much, but any kind of game, it's like, hey, have fun. You can go find things. I'm like, yes, please, let me go find the things. Also, it's got, like, bright colors. Yeah. Which I like. Like, there's there's such, like, a good aesthetic look to this game. That, like, even though, like, there are multiple, 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 multiple 2D retro-looking games out there, especially indie games, like... There's just something about the way Hyperlight Drifter looks that just sets it apart from like kind of everything else. I don't I can't think of a game that looks anything like it. Um the closest I can think of is like Fez. Yeah. Um because it it's got kind of the same aesthetic, but it it's just I don't know. And um I went and researched it a little bit because that's who I am. And apparently the creator is suffering from some kind of, like, disease. Like a heart disease. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that's one thing that I was confused about, because I, I have technically a heart disease issue, whatever, I don't know. Um, But he wanted to portray that, in a sense, with the main character. Right. So that was fascinating, because I really, really like it when there's, like, personal touches like that in the game. And there's no real narrative that's given to you like they're not spelling out what the story is they're not spelling out who this guy is they're not spelling out anything that's going on it doesn't like beat you over the head like like this is a message about heart disease or anything like that yeah it's just like hey this guy has some sort of illness and he's going to these areas to to fight this thing that's wrong to him essentially yeah and like every once in a while um when you're like progressing through the dungeons, like the character, like the screen will shake and he'll start coughing up blood. Mm-hmm. And so that was one thing that I always knew I was going the right way when that happened. Um, but two, it was like, oh, you know, that's that's bad. <laughs> yeah, slightly. But but you're getting like more of a sense of like who this guy is, even if you're not ha- like getting any kind of text story on this you're not getting any kind of verbalization you're not getting text like it's all just there right um it's kind of in the sense of like um what are the games i'm thinking of like limbo where you kind of have to piece together what the story is right so i mean with, it's, it's it's essentially a textless narrative based game yes um, can I talk about why I liked it so much? Sure, go ahead. It's what we're here for. So, I've mentioned a few times before when I talked about Link to the Past that one of my favorite memories as a kid was that my brother and I spent an entire summer passing the controller back and forth playing Link to the Past. 
like that to me was really, really important. And it kind of honestly set me on the path that I'm on. It was very influential. And it's, you know, one of my favorite memories with my brother was just that bonding. And so when Keller was like, hey, can we play this game? And we did. Literally what we did is Keller sat next to me. I sat there. I was playing the game. And we were both just playing it together. Like if there was a point where I'm like, I can't do this, I'd hand the controller to him, give him a shot, let myself calm down a bit. And so it was really kind of a throwback to that for me, that it was it was my brother and I bonding over a video game again because we were able to just sit there and figure out the the puzzles and figure out the combat and you know play it together even if it's not there is a co-op mode but we didn't even want to try that we just wanted to play it right and so it was sort of sense of nostalgia and I think that that's not exactly the form of nostalgia that the creator was aiming for but considering that he quoted Link to the Past as one of his inspirations and then that's the kind of game that Keller and I played before it is the game that Keller and I played before and we played it the exact same way this time you know it it was just really really important to me I was like oh you know this is this is a bonding game for me even though it's really really hard Keller and I are sitting here trying to figure out the best way to do these things we're trying to figure out like where to go and I don't know it was it was more of like an a an emotional experience for me as a person than just beyond playing this game by myself. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm not saying that the game's bad to play by yourself because it's certainly not. But I feel like I got a lot more out of it because I had that real personal connection with it. Yeah, and I think that's completely fair to like, like that can be a huge, a huge factor in how you enjoy a a game specifically. Yeah. I mean, it was literally the exact same thing. Just, you know, we're many, many years older. Right. <laughs> so like for me, like I, I had heard a lot about this game. Like I heard and people, I told you to play it. yeah. Like people had been mentioning this game since last year when it came out, like hyperlight drift is really good. Everyone should play it. Blah, 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 blah. And like, finally you were like, Hey, I play this game. You should probably play it too. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take the plunge on this. And, like, I, I didn't know exactly, like, anything going in. I, like, I knew it was hard because you'd mentioned that it was hard. But other than that, I really had no ideas or no expectations going in of what exactly this game was. And I think the biggest thing that surprised me was just, like, how much I enjoyed the gameplay. Because it is so snappy and so smooth. Like, anytime, like, you feel like, like, it seems like anytime you die... It's probably something you did. It's not like the game completely messing you up or anything. And just the the combat and the way it moves reminded me so much of Bloodborne, which is another game that I absolutely adored and thought was fantastic in the way that it played specifically. Which is weird because like a lot of people if they're like, "Oh yeah, I like Bloodborne," like they like they are probably fans of the other Souls games as well. But for me, like, I've gone back and I've tried to play Dark Souls, and I, I just can't get into it. Like, I think it's, it, I think for me, it's kind of like, it's a combination of just, like, how that game plays and, like, the movement of it. Whereas, like, Bloodborne, it's not, like, a methodically slow game. Because, like, the differences between Bloodborne and Dark Souls is, like, in, in Dark Souls, you have a shield. In Bloodborne, they're like, no, you don't get a shield. 
your shield is you being able to dash around and move. And I think like that just made that game so fun. It's like just having the options of like trying to get out of the way, figuring like how much space I need between like my enemy and me before I can attack and all that sort of stuff. And it's the same principles here in Hyperlight Drifter as well, where it's like you need to understand how much space you need between an enemy coming at you and attacking and like that break in between and where you can go up and hit them or being able to shoot a gun and get them that way. And just the, the combat just flowed so, so well. And just the way that you moved and the the attacks, everything was just so snappy and responsive that it it's just a, an amazing playing game, I think, first and foremost. And then, and then, like we said earlier, like, as well, like, aesthetically, it looks phenomenal. Like, there are so many little, like, design pieces here and there that you'll find out in that world that you just look at and it's like, it's... This, this just looks amazing. It's very good. It is very, very good. <laughs> um, one thing, I know that you mentioned that the uh, movement, like, I learned very, very quickly to keep moving. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're not moving, you're dead. Especially later on. <sighs> but that game's very good. I think more people should, uh, if you haven't yet gone out and played it, uh, you should probably play it. It's on, you know, PC, Xbox One, PS4, Steam. Oh yeah, I said PC. Oh, derp. <laughs> I think they've said that they they're thinking about bringing it to Switch, but there is no definitive plans like as of now of like this game coming to Switch or anything. So, well, and part of the rumor of it coming to Switch is because um, there's the the one fighting game coming out, and the main character from Hyperlight is one of the characters in it. Right. And it's a Switch exclusive, so. And I think someone asked them on Twitter, like, hey, do you want to put this on Switch? And they were just like, well, think about it. Which yeah. is the most, like, <laughs> the most developer answer ever, so. <laughs> like, legitimately, I I would buy it on the Switch and play it again. I don't, I, I would totally be fine with that. Right. It's a very good game. Uh, yeah, like we said, definitely check it out if you haven't, haven't yet. And, uh... It is difficult, but uh, I don't think it's necessarily like ultra difficult. Like you could, you'll be able to play it. Trust us. If we can get through it, you can get through it. That's the sack OVA seal of approval. Yeah, if we can do it, you can. That's how we were about Mario <laughs> yeah. Cross So We're like, you know what? We're not the best at these, even though we like playing them. But if we can do it, you can. Wink. 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 Um. So. Yeah, it, it's definitely fun. Can recommend. Not an Atome game, though, unfortunately. It's not an Atome game. That's that's the one surprise. <laughs> yeah, not an Atome. Huh. Break my heart. Should I talk about some of the games that I've played recently? Yes, you should. Let's talk. Okay. I'm going to talk about Tacoma. Like the truck. The Toyota Tacoma. Oh, my God. Please don't talk about the truck. The Tacoma, Washington. That is that is a place. <laughs> uh, Tacoma is the latest game from Fulbright, the creators of Gone Home, which was my favorite game of 2013. I want to say whenever that game came out, it was my game of the year that year. I thought that game was phenomenal, and I've been waiting for the last three years for Tacoma. Uh, Tacoma is essentially a game where you are the main character, you're named Amy, 
and you are set off to this space station that's been abandoned. And the entirety of the game is figuring out what happened at this space station. Hmm. And it's the year 2088, so it's the future. And one of the underlying threads is that, hey, it's the future, so corporations have taken over everything. But is that really the future? Do you want to go to Amazon University? Because that's a real thing in this game. Really? And really. It's a real thing in this game. And a lot of like... <laughs> and a lot of it's like... Uh, Dealing with like, oh, this private corporation has gone out and put all these space stations out there. And are they as good of a corporation as they say they are? Spoilers, they're not. What a shocker, I know. But a lot of the game wraps around like you going and exploring the different sections of this space station. And you interacting with these, these essentially these memories of like what has happened on the space station. Which they are, they're built out of augmented reality. So you see kind of like wireframes of each individual person who was on the space station. There's like six people who were on here. And you will you will watch as scenes play out in different sections and from different time periods. But the, one of the cool things about this is that it gives you the option of like while you're watching these scenes play out, you can move around during these scenes. And also you have the ability to just rewind and fast forward and pause and play at any time. So, like, if you want to, like, check out where someone else is going, you could pause and then follow them and do that. Really? That's an interesting mechanic. Yeah, it's it's super, super cool. It's a it's a real interesting way to to do storytelling. So a lot of it, like, it, it goes from, like, I think, like, the first couple ones are from, like, two weeks ago. And they lead up all the way to, like, ten hours before you arrive. And, huh. it, and it tells you the story of, like, what exactly has happened on this space station, why no one is there anymore, and also what exactly you are doing there at this space station. And basically, like I said, you go through three different sections of the space station. You will uncover each individual, like, story. You'll undercover un uncover, like, who these people are in general like, there would be some, like, if you go into, like, their, their, like, rooms, you'll get, like, a special little scene where it's, like, oh, this was from a year or two ago, but it's just, like, them doing something and kind of just, like, kind of tries to flesh out their characters even more. And by the end of it, you'll uncover a good majority of the mysteries, and I think the ending is actually kind of, kind of ambiguous in a way, which is actually, it can be kind of helpful for this game. And it's it's pretty interesting the way it actually kind of wraps up and... And how it does so. Fun thing though. I was playing the latter half of the game. Because it's only about two to three hours. To get through the entire story. Oh wow that's not bad. So yeah. But we sometimes babysit like. Uh, I guess it's kind of like a nephew or something. I don't know. It's like. My sister's husband's. Nephew. I don't know how that relates to me. Like that relationship. But anyways. We'll sometimes babysit him because he'll be with like my my niece, and they'll get dumped here, while my sister and and her husband go off and do stuff. But this he, is real life, right? Not the game. Real life, real life. Okay. <laughs> so he came up while I was playing the latter half of this. Bear in mind, this is a mature rated game. <laughs> okay. Uh, he came up and and watched me play the latter half of this, which thankfully nothing bad happened during it. Like, there's a few instances of them like cussing in it, 
and like there's more like adult themes not necessarily like bad but like just stuff that kids aren't gonna get right but he basically watched me play the latter half of this game and was like genuinely interested in it and it very much surprised me because like we would watch these scenes and he'd be like oh what's this person going to go do like oh well the doctor's doing this like why is she doing this and like he was like genuinely interested in asking questions about it and i was like that's fascinating and like i was like telling him about like oh well this is why the space station doesn't have gravity in this place because this has it and why in some places it does because they're simulating earth's gravity to make him feel more at home and stuff like that and like it's just like stuff like that like oh we live in this in the Milky Way galaxy. If you expand out to the universe, it's way bigger. And he was like, "What?" <laughs> like simple things like that. But yeah, I was like very, su- I was very surprised that like he was actually kind of genuinely interested in like, and like kind of how it all went up to like the end of the game. I was like, and was fascinated by it, because especially because like, I feel like for him and a lot of like kids his age, because he's like six. Mm-hmm. They're they're obviously the generation of like oh Minecraft's not your favorite game what's wrong with you? <laughs> so him to like kind of like watch a narrative a strictly narrative based game and be like super interested in it was like was something that was interesting to me because I I guess I wouldn't have thought that like that type of game would be would hold up to like kids that age so that was a cool thing to to see but Tacoma was really good. Should I play it? I mean, you should play Gone Home as well, because you haven't yet. I have not. And I'm still upset about that. We could we could share play you playing Gone Home. Okay. Which we should probably do that sometime. But yeah, Tacoma okay. Tacoma is very good. Like if you if you enjoy Gone Home and if you enjoy narrative based games like Firewatch and that ilk, like you should probably play Tacoma. It's only out on PC and Xbox One as of as of now. So those are the only places you can get it. I don't know if it'll eventually come to PS4 or not, but yeah, it's it's very good. It's a very good one of those games. Should I play that? I mean, do you like? I should play all of them. You should play all of them. I mean, how many games have they created? Two. Two. Did you I ever? Three. No. Did you ever play um, the Bioshock Two? D- Did you play any of the Bioshock Two DLC? I don't remember if I played the DLC. I played Bioshock 2, and I didn't like it. Cause let me remember the name of this. They don't tell me they're the ones who made Bioshock 2. No, they made Minerva's Den, the DLC for it. Okay. Like a lot, a lot of the people who made that went on to create Fulbright and then make Gone Home and Tacoma. Okay, so it's Gone Home and Tacoma. Yeah. Firewatch I mean, is like Firewatch their- is a separate game made okay. by different people, but it's similar in aspects. It. It's all. It's another style. Like it's another one of those narrative-based games. I love narrative games, so they're very good, I, and those yeah. three are very good games in that genre. So, highly recommended. Also, right. I'm into it. Uh, the first episode of the Life is Strange prequel, Life is Strange Before the Storm, came out uh, at the end of August. I forgot you played that. I played that, yeah. So they debuted this. They debuted this at E3. If I can learn how to speak, and obviously they had been they'd gone record. Uh, don't nod the developers of the original Life is Strange, and we're like, yeah, we're making Life is Strange too, and it's gonna have nothing to do with the original game. 
nothing to do with that story. We're done with it. And then E3 rolls around, and they're like, hey, we're making us prequel to Life is Strange. And everyone's like, okay. And I remember there was some question because it's Ashley Birch, right, who could not come back? Yeah, so Ashley Birch plays Chloe in the original game. And due to the SAG after strike that is still ongoing, she yep. was unable to reprise her role in this game. Uh, they got the uh, the the lady who does uh, the motion capture for Chloe. She does the voice acting in this. It's obviously it's not the same. But well, it's not going to be because right. it's a completely different person. But as long as like the tone and like actual quality is good then i don't see why it would be an issue yeah like it, it works and i think it kind of works as well because like obviously this is a younger version of chloe right so like the voice change can kind of be you can kind of give that as a reason for that as well and also they actually they brought ashley birch in i think as like there's a like credit specifically for her as like as like a writer and an advisor for for that role oh okay that's good at least they involved so yeah him. so like so it's not like they just kicked her, they just left her out, but like they brought her in to be like, okay, you played this role for five episodes. You know this character. Like, help us write this character. Which is a cool thing because, like, A, she couldn't reprise this role. That's a, that's a job opportunity she loses. But uh, this new development team, development team, Deck Nine, brings her in. It's like, here you go. This is a new opportunity for you. And like, gives her employment for that. That's, that's real cool. It's really, really cool, but it's also. To me, it's fascinating that they're looking for a voice actor's input onto the character themselves because they're like, you got into the mind of this character, so help us get also into the mind of her. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that's that's really, really fascinating because we've talked about this before. Voice actors are really, really, really underappreciated, right. and, at least in the United States. Yeah, definitely. And um, so I feel like that's a that's a cool way of being like, hey, what you do is good come help us and i think especially it, it's it's beneficial as well because like this is not the same development team that made the original game right so that helps a lot yeah. because otherwise you're just stuck with like it ends up being bioshock 2 essentially right yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry i had to i was trying to think of an example i'm like wait a minute i just brought up an example bioshock 2 sucks uh like going into this game i was kind of worried because a it's a prequel to a game yeah I was very worried about it. It's a game, it's a prequel to a game that I loved. And obviously the story arc of this game is like, it's pretty well known if you've played the first game. Like there's going to be a complete definitive beginning and a definitive end. So like, I didn't know if they were going to be able to, to pull it off. But playing through that first episode, like it's very good in a lot of surprising ways. Like I think they they are able to 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 write Chloe in a way that makes her seem like even more like a teen, if that makes sense, and more like a bad teen. Like there's the opening of that game is like she's she's pretty much obnoxious to you, like to the to the player, but it makes sense because she's a 16 year old trying to sneak into like this party that's for like 21 and up. And well, and also sixteen-year-olds just are obnoxious. Yeah, they're the they worst. Have that mindset. <laughs> and like, it just works in that way. And then, I think as well, you kind of you dive in more into her character and like figure out like why she's so like angsty and moody all the time. It's like, well, she's still dealing with the fact that you know, spoiler section, 
her dad died and Aww. like and her mom's moved on to like this new guy and she's just not ready to to have that that new chapter open up in her life and that basically so kind she's, of she's yukari yeah essentially <laughs> and like basically like that extends on into like life is strange proper as well that's like why one of the reasons she's kind of like so kind of angry and mad at the world especially as well because because max is the uh the main character in the first game and you find out a lot in this first chapter or the first episode like chloe is very off at max for like going to seattle and leaving her behind like especially in a time of need and like one of the things i think she writes is like hey thanks max for leaving me leaving me back here you really set me up for the world to to let me know that it's just going to disappoint me at any turn oh my god it's 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 very good i think and like just getting into her psyche yeah no i mean that wow though like yeah shots fired it's yeah but this is also the main theme about this about this prequel is that it's establishing the relationship between Chloe and then a girl that is hinted at throughout the entirety of Life is Strange, uh, Rachel Amber, who you, who you never meet in that game. You only know that she dies or that she's been missing throughout the entirety of the game. Wow. And this first episode, you have that establishing relationship between the two and kind of figure out like, oh, this is how these two became friends and why... Rachel was so important to Chloe in the first in in Life is Strange proper. So now we will be able to understand that and basically the 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 plot of this entire story is probably going to be like building up this relationship and then the the obviously the the end of episode 3 is probably going to be what happens to Rachel Amber? How does she die? Which we kind of get a hint at like or we kind of like get a, like a basic idea of in Life is Strange. But this is probably going to be like, here's exactly what happened. And Chloe's going to freak out. <laughs> okay. But that's cool, though, that they, yeah. they're building up this entire backstory of like what happened and what led to the original game. I like that. And it's a little bit different as well, because Life is Strange, the original game, had like the time traveling mechanic in it. And obviously this game doesn't. So it plays more like, like a Telltale game in that aspect because okay. it still has choices and everything like there's a new mechanic called backtalk where it's like you choose that and like you try and backtalk your way out of situations essentially because you're an edgy teen who smokes pot and drinks all that edgy teen stuff also there's that one point in the in the game or in the episode where you play D D. nice it's it's actually a really good scene is it yeah like surprisingly so because like you even have the option of being like uh, D and D, that's for nerds, or just like willfully going into it, and like you actually make like a new friend if you like willfully go into it. That's awesome. It's really cool. And also, like there was a there was a there was a criticism of Life is Strange, like the original game, of that it allowed Max to explore like explore being in a homosexual relationship with Chloe in that game, mm-hmm. but then at the end, it's like, well, you either get to choose to let her live or die. Oh, so it it basically kind of like just it throws that on there, but in in the end, like the canon ending is to let Chloe die. Spoilers. So it's like it's basically another example of like, oh, there's there's representation in a game, but the end of it, up someone dies, which essentially was so it kind of like the the barrier gaze trope or what's that? Have you not ever? You said that she's a she's a lesbian, right? Yes. Or did I mishear that? Yes. No, okay. you didn't mishear it. You're correct. Um, the barrier gaze trope is that 
there's always like if there is a lesbian or gay relationship, one of them is always going to die. Okay, so yeah, that's that's kind. There, I mean, there you can get the other the other ending for the game, but it's basically like this is the bad ending essentially. So, but like I, one of the bad things about this is that like the same thing is kind of going to happen here, but I think they're writing the relationship a lot better than they did in the first game, because they oh. they basically explicitly kind of like laid out their in this first episode because you can basically be like you can ask chloe be like hey i think i have feelings for rachel and like literally just tell her that and then by the end of the episode like rachel's like hey i kind of like freaked out back there i'm sorry like this is a new thing for me too and i think like they're actually gonna do a lot better job of exploring that that relationship and especially in the terms of like you know it being a homosexual relationship than the original Life is Strange did, but also at the same time, it's it's gonna end up with the death again, which is real unfortunate. Bury your gaze. Yeah, but I I, I do think they they kind of did learn from the first game, so maybe by the time Life is Strange two comes out, like we won't have that trope to deal with. But then again, like that game's who knows how many how far off years that is. away. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean. It's Square Enix, isn't it? Yeah, they are. Well, they're the the publisher for it. Right. I'm I'm just saying that. But I would assume like they're they do have like additional. I think they're helping on it, and I would assume like Deck Nine, Deck Nine, and Dotnod are are Square Enix internal teams, or like they. Yeah, they're, literally, um, I was just trying to make a Square Enix joke. <laughs> I mean, like, look, it's a Western Square Enix, or is a non-Japanese Square Enix game, so like those are usually pretty good, honestly. They are. I'm just again. I know. I got. I gotta get my kids to Square Enix whenever I can. Yes. Yeah. They've personally victimized me. That's that's completely fair. So yeah, this is surprisingly good, and I'm very much looking forward to the uh, the next two episodes. Uh, there's no release dates for those yet, but uh, looking forward to those. Also, if you get the deluxe edition, which I think is like twenty five dollars in total, uh, they it does come with a bonus episode that stars Max. But I think it's like kind of from the past as well. But it's like it's literally titled, titled "Farewell." It's like here's the last time you get to play as her, so that's cool. And also, you get like DLC like costumes. So like there is a shirt that Chloe wears in the game that is also a shirt that I own. So I was like, yeah, really? that's cool. That's nice. But, also, when you say Max, I think of my cat. So <laughs> I got really, really confused for a moment. I'm like, why? Is- I don't think Max is Maxine. He's Maxwell. Yeah. So. Yeah. A little um. Bit what, what kind of shirt is it? Uh, it's it's a it's a character design from the original game. It's called Hot Dog Man. <laughs> it's a nice. hot dog that's a man, and it says Woot on it. Nice. Yeah. I like it. It's a real dumb shirt. I feel like maybe all the games that you've played, I should play because they seem like they'd be right up my alley. But I just haven't really done it. Have you not played Life is Strange? I have not. I own two copies of that game. Okay. Why? Uh, I bought it all digitally at first, but then mm-hmm. like they came out with like a, a limited edition collector's edition, like for a physical release uh, of it, and bought that because it came with like a like a cool art book and the soundtrack to the game. But literally, like after listening to you talk about uh, Tacoma and Life is Strange, like I want really, really want to play both of them. You should. After like listening to this, I'm like they these, these seem really up my alley. You you totally should. Man, he agrees. There's some like in, even like in the original Life is Strange like there's some real good stuff like some of like the uh, the cliffhangers for that for that for those game for those episodes are 
are intense. Like, I think I we probably talked about this on the the Persona 5 episode. Like, there is a... There's the end of one... Like, the end of episode 2 is very similar to a scene in the beginning of Persona 5. Yep. We talked about that. Yeah. I remember it. So, like, it gets intense stuff. Like, and, yeah. They're very good narrative-based games. My jam! So, yeah. If you haven't checked those out, you should definitely do it. Like, I would highly recommend... Highly recurring I mean, like, Love Strange and Tacoma and Gone Home and probably this one as well. I can really, really understand like you not wanting to play my Atome games. Um, I get that, but <laughs> like, man, I, I really am interested in these. So I have to check out pricing and all that because I am but a poor graduate student. I mean, I think Life is Strange and Gone Home go on sale here and there. So if I ever see them go on sale, I'll, I'll let you know. The best, thank you. And I mean, like, for the most part, like, all these games are, like, 20 bucks. Oh, okay, that's not too bad. So that's also pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that helps. So, yeah, that's, uh... So literally every game that we've talked about in this podcast is a yes. Yeah. Yeah, we recommend it. Thumbs up. That's actually interesting for our grab bag. That doesn't always happen. It's true. We're just very positive right now. Dude, I mean, despite the fact that we started this podcast off in a very negative way, <laughs> um, I have been so stoked because of the Satome. Like, I've been really, really wanting to talk about it because I loved it. Yeah, you were I, very high I, on it. I was. I was <laughs> real, real happy about it. So, um, like I said, we've had some some negative in this podcast, but for the most part, it's been a very good podcast in, in our recommendations. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. I only have one thumb available at the moment, but both of them would be up if I could. <laughs> well, alrighty. I think that's going to wrap up this grab bag. Hey, I think we should at least say thank you to the person who gave us money. Yeah, we got a patron finally. You're the best. We appreciate you. We appreciate your support. Of You're a, a pal. Of us doing this, because that was, that was a very shocking thing to, to get an email. I was like, whoa, hey, that's a thing. We were so excited. I was in the middle of Chipotle, and I literally squealed. <laughs> I had a cop in front of me in line, and he looked at me like I was insane. And I'm like, I'm going to get arrested because I'm excited <laughs> about money. Like, dude, seriously, whoever you are who... Who gave us the money? You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Your pal. You're a real pal. I believe that's what it says when you when you when you're a patron. It's like you're a pal. Well, it is, but I wanted to personally say uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are a pal. You're a good human being. Anyways. If you want to also be a Patreon, you should give them the link. <laughs> yeah, if you uh you also want to contribute and help us out for this very podcast you can do that at patreon.com slash s-a-c-o-v-a and there's links on our website as well yep for all that uh also go to seasonalmycheckup.com or sac.cool for more information from us you'll find it there for past episodes of this podcast uh jared now watch which you can find in this feed uh, the seasonal checkup podcast as well and for columns and reviews uh, you can find more from Ann Ladium at annladium.com, like her piece that we talked about at the very beginning of this episode. 
you can find that there and also some previous columns and reviews from her as well. And Twitter, twitter.com slash anime checkup. If you want to keep up with us on the Twitters, it's a way, good way to twist at us. We would love it if you would twist at us. Twist, twist. <laughs> Next week. Twist? I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't even thought to next week. We'll figure uh, something out. I mean, I was going to say we could do the anime we're watching, but it's only one half of it, so we can't do it. <laughs> we want to just talk about the first half of it. I mean, we could, but it's probably better to just wait until it's all out. That's true. The only bad thing is that like the, the latter half of that season comes out the same day that Dog and Rampa V3 comes out. Oh, no. So that's not happening. That's a... I'm going to be Danganronpa, like, yeah. all up in that business. <laughs> all That's up in that business. That's a I never thought I'd say. All up in that business. <laughs> we'll figure out something. We'll figure something out. So, yeah. Look forward to that and uh, fun stuff. Be a good person, guys. That's too. Moral of this episode, be a decent person. Come on. Not that hard. <laughs>